Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Uh, I'm Tim, if you don't know who I am, and uh, it's good to have you with us this morning here at Greater Alton Church. Um, we've been looking at the story of Joseph. We've been looking at uh, lots of stories in the Bible. I'm sure you like a good story. I sure love them. Uh, I found this passage. I ran across this. I just typed in story or stories, and I found this little passage in Psalms 145. The psalmist says here, Generation after generation stands in awe of your work. Each one tells stories of your mighty acts. The power of stories is what he's talking about and how each generation passes on these stories. And we have some really good stories here in the Bible. And they tell us what? They tell us a couple of things. They tell us how God works and they tell us what matters to him. And so we've been looking at the story of Joseph. We call it the story of Joseph. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. And in this story, it's a fascinating story recorded in Scripture from Genesis 37 to Genesis 50. And in this story, we learn how to handle uh, the setbacks of life. Now, when you read the story of Joseph, it was a hard life for Joseph. He lived in a family with lots of family drama. I don't know if any of us here know what I'm talking about. Maybe you've had some family drama. Uh, it doesn't take much, but, but uh, every family seems to have it. Just when you think of families got some peace, something else stirs things up, and we have all kinds of interesting things happen then. And Joseph has a lot of family drama. His family is a blended family, and uh, he has four different moms. He has all of his brothers and sisters are from a blended family, stepbrothers and stepsisters. And so he experiences rejection in his family. Uh, His family doesn't treat him right. He's sold out uh, by his brothers, uh, like Facebook Marketplace, for a bargain and he's lied about. He's, he's, his, his name is run through the mud. And he is lied about, misrepresented, um, and he's forgotten. And I noticed something as I'm reading the life of Joseph. And there's a couple of books you might want to check into. One by a guy by the name of Keller called God Meant It for Good. Excellent book on the life of Joseph. At first I wasn't sure about it. And man, it's just getting better and better. I even skipped a bunch and read the last chapter because I wanted to see how he wrapped it up excellent last chapter. There is a study book by Charles Swindle on the life of Joseph. I'm finding it as well very uh, interesting and helpful as I look at this amazing story. Um, and what I notice, I guess, is that is that that uh, as Joseph goes through all these setbacks and all these trials and all these moments, these, this trouble in his life, he seems like he gets a little better and a little better. These these troubles not just don't not only reveal things about Joseph, but they also refine Joseph's character, and he, he, he you see his faithfulness involved in every step of the way, which te- which reminds me to think about this, and I want to remind you, your response and my response to how we handle our struggles, our troubles in life, really do have a big impact on whether or not we see the good, or whether or not we experience the good in those bad moments, in those bad seasons. I don't know how you respond uh, to moments of despair. I know that uh, I tend to, to ask when I, when I talk to God, I ask, why me? That's why the title of the lesson, Why Me, Lord? You know, why, why is this happening now? And, and where are you? And if you tend to find yourself asking when things just blindside you, why is this happening, Lord? And why now? Why me? You're in good company. A lot of people in the Bible, a lot of people in Scripture, most of the people in Scripture will ask that question. We usually start there. Let me give you a couple of examples. In Numbers 11, here on your notes, as well as up on the screen, we find that Moses is having a tough time. The people of Israel are complaining. All they're getting is manna, and they want something else. They they complain, man, we had it made back when we were living in Egypt. We ate all, and they start reminding them. Kind of like a, a, a whining husband talking to them, to his wife, my mom used to make this and make this, you know, the way, oh yeah, oh, and you can just see Moses going, oh, this is getting old. And so what's he do? He goes to God in verse 11 and he says, he goes, I, pr-, he prayed, I'm your servant, Lord, so why are you doing this to me? What have I done to deserve this? Why is this happening to me? And that's a great question. People ask that often. Why is this happening? In Judges 6, things are not going well in, in Israel right now. They're, they're, they're being dominated by another culture, another society, another nation called the Midianites. And you know, uh, Gideon, who is, uh, working in, in the book of Judges, he's threshing wheat or he's threshing grain. And the way you, I grew up on a farm, the way you thresh grain, 
Uh, the old way to doing it is you take the grain, you would first you would try to try to mix it and crush it a little bit, and then you'd throw it in the air, and all the chaff would float away, and the grain would fall, just leaving the grain. And that's how you separated all the holes and all the all the stuff you didn't want uh, to get the grain. But and you do that usually outside. Well, the problem is when you do when you do it outside, other people can see they see a cloud of that chaff. And that's what was going on during the time of Gideon. He's he's doing this, and the Midianites would see that and say, guys, are you hungry? Yeah, why? There's a guy right now separating grain. Let's go take it. And they would take the grain from the Israelites. So so Gideon is doing it underground. And I've, I used to scoop corn and beans in the in the grain bin, and the dust is everywhere. And you try to wear a wear a handkerchief over your nose or over your because the dirt gets in there and they make huge chunks of dirt. I won't say the word, the B word, the chunks of dirt. It was awful. It was awful. And so he's under there <laughs> coughing and wheezing and doing this. And the angel says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And look what Gideon says, almost a sarcastic tone. He says, pardon me, sir. What a nice guy, huh? If the Lord is with us, why are we having so many troubles? Why is this happening? You know, I uh, come on. This, this is awful. If God is with us and I'm such a mighty warrior, then why is this happening? So we tend to ask those questions. And I want to tell you this morning, there's nothing wrong with asking, why me? I'm sure Joseph did. When I read the story of Joseph, I would, I would think he would say in the pit, why is this happening to me, Lord? It kind of blindsided him. You know, why am I being sold as a slave? Why didn't I get top dollar? Why, why am I in a prison? Why am I people lying about me? Why is this happening to me? I've been a good guy. In fact, my dad made this wonderful coat. I mean, I was, I'm groomed to be a leader. Why? You gave me a dream. Why is all this happening? But I think other questions crossed his mind. You know, these, that question, why me, is a popular question. I got news for you folks. I think Joseph had better questions. He had other questions, but they were better questions. There were better questions to ask. And I believe it was because of that, because he would ask God better questions, he would go from the pit to the palace and and he would understand the good in each season he suffered. And he would learn that there's a better question than why? Why me? Why now? And maybe you've been asking, maybe if something's happened in your life, and you, you've been asking that, and it's, and it's natural. We all ask that. People in the Bible ask that. I've asked that. We all ask that question. But I'd like to impress upon you this morning three other questions we can ask God when we're going through a time of suffering. And I believe they're better questions than just why. Okay? Let me give them to you. Number one, the first one we can ask is, Lord, what are you wanting me to know? What do you want me to know? What do you want me to learn? Helen Keller said this. Helen Keller was blind and she, and she was also deaf from birth. And she said these words, we can never learn to be brave and patient if there were only joy in the world. Is that true? Last week I had a mother, you know, a mother who had lost a child say to me in, in view of, of uh, Scarlet Woolley's you know, she was an infant that lived nine days and she passed away. And I was, do- I mentioned I was doing the funeral in the graveside and, uh, for, uh, Nick and, and Brittany Woolley. Um, she said to me in tears, Tim, I, I, all I know is this. No words can, can comfort me. I want you to know, no, but I know this. Losing my baby, bad stuff like that helps me appreciate and understand and see and recognize the good things in life. Without that, I really don't have anything to gauge it with. I really have very little to have some perspective with. See, problem solving, listen folks, and I'm still learning this at 62. I'm still, I'm still a baby at this. Problem solving is the primary way you and I learn. When you were kids, you got homework. If your homework was like my homework, you didn't get a pile of answers. Am I right? They were math problems. There was a question, but it had a blank. You know, we fill out blanks around here, and I think some of you go, man, I'm back in school. Well, that's another lesson. But I'll tell you what, 
you go home, we go home, we have these, we, it's called homework, and they are. They're math problems, they're, they're history questions, and all of these problems. In fact, some of the greatest things that we've experienced now in science, in medicine, in all kinds of areas of life have come, have been discovered, because somebody tackled a problem, a problem, and good come from it. I think God uses adversity in your life and my life for a reason, to teach us something so we can learn something. It's the homework of life that God gives us every day. And you can either, you can either be defeated by your problems or your problems can develop you based on if you can move from why to what, Lord, what do you want me to learn? You see, I can resist. If I resist, I can resist the lessons of life. I can, I can also resent them. And I can even, and listen, I've done this, and I know some of you have done the same thing. We wallow around in our self-pity during our suffering. And you know what you and I have in common when we do that? We learn nothing. We don't learn what it's trying to teach us. You see, Joseph is a gifted young man. He's an amazing young man. He stands out. His dad sees promise in him. God has given Joseph a dream. Not, not, he didn't just dream it once. He had a second one, much like it. But there's a problem. Joseph is not ready. He's not ready to fulfill that dream. God needs to get some things out of the way. He needs to get some things in order before this dream can become a reality. See, Joseph has too much pride. He has too much competitiveness. He has too much independence. He's cocky, self-reliant, and he's, and he's also naive. In other words, the coat has to go. The coat's got to go, Joseph. What? My dad gave me this coat. I need this coat. I stand out in this coat. I'm brilliant in this coat. It's got to go, Joseph. It's in the way. And so what's God do? He uses adversity to get that coat off of him so he can develop him. The question i got to ask you is, what needs to go before God can really bless you? What needs to go in your life before God can really use you? What's the coat? You know it needs to go. Maybe it's the coat of pride, the coat of independence. Maybe it's the coat of competitiveness, stubbornness. Whatever color it is, it's got to go. And so God wants us to learn. Look at what David says here. He learned about a coat needing to go out of his life. He says, before I suffered, I think the NIV says, before I was afflicted, I did many wrong things. But now, in other words, after the suffering, but now I carefully obey everything you see. You see, there are some lessons in life I cannot learn any other way but through adversity. I've got a blank for you up here. I'll go ahead and pop it up on the screen. And, and this was years ago. I remember hearing a sermon. Robert was preaching in the old auditorium. And I was sitting behind some guests at Greater Alton. And we had just started doing this, filling out the blanks. And... So the point's being made, and you're not, you don't have to write any yet. Don't write anything in it yet. God wants to bless my life. And I see the guy write that down. You know, he's writing. And I look over his shoulder. You know what he's writing? God wants to kick my... That's what he wrote! I went... That's not, what, that's not the point he's making! You've got it wrong! No, he, that's what he sees. God wants to kick my beep-boop. Well, let me ask you a question. Are both right? Could both be right? Man, Tim, that's just... I never thought I'd go to church and hear somebody talk about God kicking me in. Just set that aside. Could both be right? Look at this passage with me. Very interesting passage. This is David speaking now. He's been through a lot of stuff. The punishment you brought me through was the best thing that could have happened to me. For it taught me your ways. 
I wonder how David would have filled out that blank. Which way would he have went? That's why I left it blank for you. Which way would you write it? Now, I know we're supposed to say things in the most positive way we can. Right, Mike? That's what we've learned about preaching. The most positive way. But sometimes something negative, something harsh can be the best thing, the, the, a good thing, the best thing that could ever happen to us. It's like it's a blessing in disguise. And see, that's what David learned. He learned that the, the, he learned the will and the way of God from being punished. See, I learn a lot more when I ask what and not just why. I can learn so much more from God if I just ask. He'll answer that question, by the way. He'll answer that question. What do you want me to know, Lord? What do you want me to learn? The Apostle Paul said this in Romans 5, and he, he says the same thing. We can rejoice too when, circle when, when we run into problems and trials, for we know, circle we know, we can know this, he says, that they are good for us. They help us learn, there's the word learn, circle learn, to be patient. And patience develops strength of character in us and helps us trust God each time we use it until finally our hope and faith are strong and steady. See, this is what I notice about Joseph. His faith is getting stronger, steadily stronger with each season he goes through. I want you to know, I look at the life of Joseph, I look at this story, it is reassuring to know something that suffering does have a beginning and an end. Isn't that nice? It's good to know that. At least I know this will pass. That's great to know. But there's probably another one already coming up. And it's through this process that Joseph is going through. Slowly, his faith is growing. He's learning to be patient and wait on the Lord's timing. His character is being strengthened. His trust in God is being strengthened each time until he is steady. Next week, I want to talk about another dreamer in this story. I want to talk about Jacob next week. Because he's all over the road. I was amazed at this. I resemble Jacob more than I do Joseph. I'm going, I can identify with you, pal. He panics all the time. He's always uneasy, even though God's given him a dream. No, Joseph would say, he could say this. He'd say, you know, I have to admit, when I faced my problems, they've been good for me. In fact, didn't he say that? God meant it for good? So whatever you're facing today, I just want you to think about this. Whatever you're facing today, why not ask God? Why not ask the Lord? What's the lesson? Look for the lesson in it. What am I supposed to know from this? Because I'll tell you what you're going to learn. You're going to learn two areas. You're going to learn a lot about yourself. You're going to learn something about yourself, and you're going to learn something about the Lord. Great lessons to learn. What's the second one? The second one is, Lord, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to do? Look at this. People may plan all kinds of things, but the Lord's will is going to be done. What's he saying? God's will, his way, is going to get done. God's going to have his way, whether I plan on it or not. I can't deny that. I was going to bring my cell phone out and show you. Oh, after I came back from vacation, what do you do on vacation? Well, you try to relax. I have a hard time relaxing. It takes me two days to shut down. What I do is I spend time on my cell phone looking at things, reading things, the news. Man. And then I start thinking, i got a lot of stuff to get done when I get back. And I write a list. It's called my to-do list. I have 50 things. It's broken up in three areas. There's things I need to do it. For great, you know, in Greater Alton, there's things that we need to decide and work on. Then I've got personal stuff, and then I've got my company, and I've got a little list of things I want to do uh, when I get back. Fifty things on my to-do list. And I noticed something about my to-do list. It is not to done. That thing, and it grows. It grows. I just wrote three things while you all were praying. I'm on my phone. Three more things have popped in my head. I'm like, Lord, I can't. How am I going to do all this? You got to be done, Tim. You know, if the Lord doesn't think about them, there's somebody else that can help you. Take a wild guess. 
She's sitting over there. So if you don't listen to me, I'm going to have her tell you. There's a list. And there's a list of things, you know, the things that I, I want, I've got to get done. Well, the story of Joseph is about God's unfinished to-do list. He's got things he wants to do. There's things he's trying to do. So I need to ask when, I, when I'm going through this moment. You know, by the way, do you ever feel like this? I haven't got time for that. I, I got things happening so much, I haven't got time to do that. You know, some people, you can say that to them, and they won't take no for an answer. And neither will God. So what? So what you're busy? So what you're overwhelmed? I need this done. I'm, I'm counting on you to help me get this done. So whenever I'm going through a tough time, I need to realize God is trying to do something. I may be trying to get out of it. I may be trying to postpone it. I may be trying to, to do something else with it. But God's trying to do something too. And it's something I need to ask over and over again. You see, because what is, what is, I ask myself, what is God trying to do here? Well, I know this, it's bigger than, listen, listen to me. It's bigger than meeting Joseph's personal needs. Just think about that a minute. It's bigger than Joseph having comfort or things work out. Why do things work for good? What's the good that God is after? Well, it's, I'll be stronger. I'll be happier. The good is what He's trying to do. And does He want me happy? Of course He does. Does He want me content? Of course He, he does. Does He want me to be healthy? Of course He does. But let me ask you, why? Why would He want to bless you like that? Could it be to accomplish what He wants done? Absolutely. And see, I think Joseph understood this. He, over time, he understood God's trying to do something and it's bigger than me. This dream is bigger than me. This dream is about the moon and the stars, about my dad and mom and about my brothers. No, it's about the moon and the stars. All kinds of people. Not just about his own family. Not just about him. It's about what God's trying to do. Look what he says here. I think this is up on the screen. It was God's plan for me to come here. No, he finally figures it out. It was God's plan for me to come here. When did he figure it out? I'm not sure. But he figured it out. It was God's plan for me to come here. I'm here to save people's lives. So God sent me ahead of you so that I can save your people in this country. It was not your fault that I was sent here. It was God's plan. God made me like a father to Pharaoh. What does he mean by that? Pharaoh depends on me. I'm the governor over all his house. And look, and over all Egypt, all those people. See, God wants to work through Joseph. He wants to work through you. And he had to prepare Joseph. And so he's going to prepare you. Well, does he have to do it through hardship? Apparently he does. Does he, does he have to do it when I suffer? Apparently, because that's where we learn the most. That's where we develop the best. You see, when I'm stuck with questions like, why me? And I get stuck on that one. It just reveals how self-absorbed I am. See, I've condensed God's purpose in my life, God's promise in my life, to one single person. I want a good job, Lord. I want to be healthy. I want to marry. I want to have children. Why? Why do you want all that? Because I want to be happy. And God says, I want you to have all that so I can use you. When I ask why, when I'm, when I'm focused, and I'm, by the way, I, when I'm too much focused on why, I'm making it about what I want, not what God wants. You see, God made your life bigger than you. I noticed that at this funeral of this child this week. I noticed it in a hospital with Judah. That little kid's life is bigger than he is right now. 
And he has so much influence. Both of these kids have so much influence on their family, on their world. I was looking, at, I was thinking about this this morning. It's weird how God, I was, I was going, who's the main character in the story of Joseph? I think, I think I made a big mistake with the Bolton cover, and I want to apologize. I made a big mistake. I mean, look at the cover. What do you see? Joseph! God meant it for good. Joseph! God meant it for good. Well, I had to mention God. Right? I wonder, well, how did that happen? Joseph's not the main character in this story. I thought he was. Let me read. Here's the heading in chapter 37 in my Bible says, Joseph's dream. And he had a dream, and God gave it to him. Here's another one. I'm looking at these headings. Joseph with Potiphar's wife. That's kind of a scary title. Joseph with Potiphar's just dawned on me. Joseph with Potiphar's wife. Joseph in prison. Pharaoh's dreams. Uh, Joseph in charge of Egypt. Joseph's brothers come to Egypt. Joseph makes himself known. Joseph gives instructions about his bones. We get it honest, don't we? I, you, know, you, you do know that the headings of every chapter in the Bible are not inspired. They're put in there by people. The numbers are too. Everything else is from God, but look, how, look who the focus is. person like me. That's why I really should have... Uh, somebody suggested to me I should leave that blank next week and then you write your name. Really, it should be God works for good. God's doing the work. God's doing something. I mean, think about it. You've got Jacob, his the sons, the slave traders, Potiphar. Pot, the Potiphar's are mentioned. Prisoners are mentioned, guards are mentioned, cupbearer, baker, magicians, Pharaoh, all of Egypt is mentioned. And you know what I realize? Those headings could say, God gave Joseph a dream. God was with, with Joseph in the pit. God was with Joseph, when he was sold into slavery, God is with him. And by the way, it says these in this chapter. God was with him when he's at Potiphar's. God is working in the prison, working with the guards. God gives the, listen, God gives the cupbearer and the baker a dream. I don't know why we think, you know, non-Christian people are not, I don't even know what the word is. It's not stupid. They're not so unbelieving that they God can't touch them. God frustrates the magicians and the scribes to figure out Pharaoh's dream. God gives Pharaoh a nightmare and keeps him up all night. God sends a famine. Joseph, see, is not the center of attention. The focus is on what God is trying to do. And what is he trying to do? He's trying to address the plight of people. Now, who can help him address the plight of people? A person that has the focus off himself and on the plight of people. So what is God trying to accomplish in this trouble? That's what I should ask. God, what are you wanting to do? What, what are you trying to do in this time of suffering? You know, I noticed something. God doesn't wait for me to get out of my trouble to use me. And everybody's got something going on. You know, the brothers have got something going on. They can't get along with each other. You know, the family is so dramatic. It's not just Joseph creating a drama. And there's stuff going on between Reuben and Simeon. There's stuff going on between dad and the kids, between the wives. They're fighting all the time. There's all this drama going on. And Joseph 
is suffering as well. They're suffering too. Everybody you and I come in contact with is going through something. Potiphar, does he have a good marriage? Not if his wife is checking out Joseph. Sounds like there's problems, huh? Well, as soon as Joseph gets off his ducks in order, then he can help somebody. Who are you kidding? No. Right in the middle of your suffering is an opportunity to help somebody else with their suffering. He's in a prison with other prisoners. I don't have to say anything else about that. The cupbearer, the baker. Oh, I had this dream. I don't know what to, I don't know what to do. We're going through a tough time. Joseph steps in. Well, I don't know if Joseph should have done that. You know, I don't know how you would do. We'd like to say, well, I do just fine. No, you know what we do? How come I can't get, catch a break? Look, I'd be so caught up in my own problem. I don't have time to help somebody else's. But theirs, God seems to think we can. God seems to think you can do that. Even though you've got problems. Even though you're going through a struggle. Pharaoh's having a nightmare. The magicians are frustrated. God has put turbulence in their life for a reason. And they all end up looking to God. They all end up, what do I do? What do I do? You see, when I start asking, Lord, what are you trying to do? Then I begin to see that my setbacks are really stepping stones to carrying out His will. Not just get me out of my situation. I'm able to capitalize on those opportunities because that's what they become. Listen, folks, if you have it all together, you can't help anybody. If you have it all together, we're toast. Ah, this church here is it's messed up. <laughs> okay. It, how long did it take you to figure that out? Oh, I saw it right off. Well, good for you. You know, we saw it right off in your life too. When you're perfect, well, if you've got it all together, or you come across like, I've got all together. Listen, people can't identify with that. And Joseph is in the midst of his suffering. And what's he do? He just shows a faithful life as it trans- transpires. He just keeps trusting the Lord. And that's what people need to see. They need to see our dirty laundry. And they need to see how God is helping us with it. Okay, here, Paul, what Paul says of Philippians. I've, I've talked too long. Look at this. It says there, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Well, what's happened to you, Paul? Uh, let's see. Beaten up. Shipwrecked. Rejected. Ridiculed. Embarrassed. Um, bit, bitten by a snake. Oh, you know, a lot of stuff is, is happening to me. Um, I'm in prison. I'm in chains. And it's served to do what? To advance the gospel. Is that good? He doesn't say, now brothers, I want you to know what's happened to me. It's quit happening and I'm free now. He doesn't say that. It says, it's advanced the gospel. He says, for everyone around here, including those soldiers over in the barracks, they know it's about Jesus. There's a godly spiritual spin. As, uh, what did Joseph do? God's going to reveal to you, Pharaoh. He points to God. I, I don't point, he doesn't take any, that coat is long gone, folks. He's not about him anymore. Here's what God's trying to do. Here's what God's trying to do. Your life point, when you're, when you're in trouble, do people see that there's a reliance on God. They see God lifted up. Philippians, again, verse 14. And because of my imprisonment, now he's getting more specific, most of the believers, he says the other Christians are what? Encouraged by that. You know, we, we may pose in front of our unbelieving family and friends, but sometimes, most of the time, we're posing with each other, aren't we? When we just need to drop that. Get rid of the coat. And just be... You know why? Because when... Listen, when, I remember one time I was talking about uh, I hadn't had a quiet time in a while and somebody said, I, I couldn't believe you admitted that, Tim. That gave me hope. Oh, really? I was embarrassed to say this. He goes, that gave me hope. I learned something. If I could just learn... If I could resist the pride 
and the arrogance and try to be vulnerable, I might be able to accomplish what God is trying to do instead of what I'm interested in trying to do. And that's impress people. Something to think about. So whatever whatever you're going through, just understand, think about this. What is God trying to do in the midst of your suffering right now? And if you're not sure, ask Him. And here's the third question. Lord, what are you wanting me to do? What are you wanting me to do? James says it this way. Anybody in trouble? You should talk to God about it. Help. What do I do? What do I do? David went to God when he was going through a lot of stuff. And look what he says here. Lead me in the right path, O Lord, for my enemies will conquer me. He's in, he's in some deep stuff here. Tell me clearly what to do. And show me which way to turn. If you ever want to do a study, just type in the word inquire or inquired or inquiring in your search engine on on Bible Gateway. And look how many times God's people would inquire to the Lord before they do something. Should we go? Should we stay? And this is what David is saying. Show me clearly. Tell me clearly what you want me to do in this situation. Now, I'm going to mention something to you that troubles me when I think about this idea of, Lord, what do you want me to do? And this idea of that question versus the why question. Here's the troubling thought I have. I can know why and still not move a muscle. Mike, it just makes sense. You say, well, if I only knew the reason, it wouldn't matter. Even if you knew the reason... You say, I beg to differ. Okay, then be different. Let me tell you about me. I know I need to exercise. I know the reason. I know I need to treat my wife, my kids. I know the reason I'm just supposed to treat them with respect. Huh? Knowing why is not enough. Now, I've got to know what to do. I've got to ask God what to do. See, I think Joseph prayed like this. He asked God, what do you want me to do? In each struggle, he just kept growing. In each struggle, see, he had the sense of God's purpose and promise in his life. That dream reminded him, God's trying to do something. God's wanting to do something with me. What should I be doing? What should I be doing? I'm in the pit. Lord, what do I do? Well... How about call out to me like you are? How about you just trust me? Because we're at the beginning now of this process. And watch what I do. Here comes a rope. Oh, it's over already! And he's climbing up and God's going, you don't have any idea. It's just starting, man. He gets out, you're not going to get killed. You know what I think interesting about suffering? There's always something good in it. He goes from being killed to being in a pit. Which would you choose? Kill me or put me in the pit? I take the pit. Gets out of the pit. Oh, good. It's over. No, it's not. We're going to sell you. And we're going to sell you so cheap. It's embarrassing. What would you rather do? Stay with these guys that hate you or be with some slave traders on your way to Egypt? He gets, he gets in Potiphar's house. He's lied about and he's put in prison. Let's see. Execution or prison? Which would you choose? You know, those bars, yeah, they kept Joseph in, but they kept that woman out. I was talking to Jim Quick this week and we were just talking about blessings in disguise. How could this stroke that he had last week be a blessing in disguise? You have to ask him what we talked about. Just ask him. So what what did you guys talk about? Because there's a blessing. Is it true there's a silver lining? Every cloud has a silver lining? Absolutely. We see it in the life of Joseph played out over and over again. I'm betrayed, Lord. She said these lies about me. And you know what I notice about Joseph? He never tries to vindicate his name. He never tries to clear his name. I tell you, somebody says something bad on you on Facebook, and what do you do? You go irate and crazy. 
like an AK-47 word machine gun. <laughs> Splattering it all over the place. This will clear my name, does it? It just confirms how crazy they said you were. No, what's he doing in prison? Lord, what do I do? I'm in prison. And now I, I, I've, been, I've been treated unjustly. What do I do now? How about just sit there? How about just trust me, relax, and wait? I want to do a sermon on God's timetable. I'm more and more convinced a lot of good things are prepared through time. And Joseph is being prepared. Trust my timetable. Lord, I was forgotten. It's been two days. The cub bear forgot me. How could he forget me? What do I do? Well, how about this? Remember, I haven't forgot you. And Joseph, for us to really fulfill this big dream, there's a couple of rough edges we got to knock out of you before. You see, I can't have you coming out of prison all ready to get even with people, all bitter and bothered, because you're going to be taking care of a whole nation, and you're going to have power, and I, with that power... You're going to have to have gobs of mercy. And I need you to be broken in order for you to really be used. So we're going to wait a couple of years until you've figured that out. You know, when Joseph comes out, he isn't trying to get his brothers back. In fact, his brothers lie. Dad says you need to take care of us. after the They lie. Jacob didn't say that. They just make it up, scribble it on some piece of paper. He won't know if Dad wrote it or not. Hey, Dad says you need to take care of us. He's, they're so afraid. And Joseph's like, don't you understand? I'm not, I'm not that kind of guy anymore. I asked God what to do, and He said, just wait on me. Trust me. Forgive. Now listen to me as we're closing this lesson out. Again, I can only, I can only admit my stuff. I don't know your stuff. If I'm looking at you, it doesn't mean I know something about you and I'm talking directly at you. Of course I'm talking to you, okay? Talking to me too. When under pressure, I've noticed something about me. I tend to be focused in asking God to do something rather than what He wants me to do. That makes sense? God, get me out of this. God, do something about that. God, man, change that. Is it a good question? Not compared to, what do you want me to do? That's the better question. You know, I'm wanting God to do something that I can't do. I feel like I can't do. But see, I can do something about my suffering. I can do something. I can humble out and depend on the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? I can say, Lord, what do you want me to learn? What are you trying to do? And how do, how do you want to use me? Look at James here. It kind of puts this in perspective here. Consider it sheer, a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you, at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. Whenever something doesn't go right for you, you find out you learn who you really are, what you're really about, what really matters. Huh? All right? James is right. He says then, so don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Don't try to wiggle out of it. Don't try to find a way to, in, to get out of the suffering. Now, by the way, that doesn't mean, oh, thank goodness, I can milk this for... No, he's not saying milk it and go pour pitiful meat. No, 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 no. He's saying don't try to get out of it prematurely. Why? Because he says, let it do its work so you become mature. So you can grow, be well developed, not deficient in any way. I get the idea. I'm, I'm, I'm equipped for him to use me. That can I get out of it? Can I get out of painful situations? And awful? yeah, I can run. I can, I can run. I can wiggle. I can maneuver. I can manipulate the system, and I can get out of that thing. And finally, it's behind me. Guess what? Another one's coming, and usually it's tougher. Yeah, you can wiggle out of it, but you'll never benefit from it. You're just postponing 
You're just putting off what God's trying to do. So why not just say, Lord, what do you want me to do? So we can develop maturity, confidence, competence, contentment. You know, there's a fellow that was struck blind. He was giving God a hard time. And the Bible says in Acts 9 that uh, he, a bright light appeared. He was knocked off his, well, I like to think his high horse and put on his Shetland pony. He was knocked off to the ground and it, he says he opened his eyes and in Acts 22 he says, I opened my eyes and I couldn't see anything. I was blind. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And he says, Who are you? He goes, I am the Lord Jesus. And the kind of way the King James says it, isn't it hard to kick against the pricks? What's he talking about? Of against the goad? Don't you find it difficult to kick to kick against this pointy stick that's sharp that's used to to make you move? Aren't you tired of kicking against me? Then he says he asked this question in Acts twenty two. He said he told King Agrippa, I asked, Lord, what do you want me to do? There's a great question. Not why. Why is this happening to me? I think Paul knew why. He moved on from there. I think he knew. I've been fighting God. I've been resisting God. I've, I've been, I've been postponing what I need to do. What do you want me to do, Lord? And the response from the Lord is, go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. And what was he told to do? He says, an Ananias come up to me and he said, Saul, that was his name before Paul, Saul, God has revealed that He wants to use you as a chosen instrument to do what He wants. You catch that? Chosen you to do what He's trying to do. You're going to preach before all kinds of people. What? The Gospel. Why? He wants people saved. But in order to do that, you need to answer this question now. What do I need to do now? He goes, so what are you waiting for? Get up, it says in Acts 22:16. Check it out. He says, what are you waiting on? Get up and get baptized and wash away your sins, calling on His name. You putting off something? What do, I don't know what to do. I think you do. I think you do. You say, well, maybe, I don't know, Tim. Well, why don't you ask God, what do you want me to do? And then wait for His answer. Because I'll tell you, when you ask what you want me to do, it'll bless your life. Look at this last passage, and then we're finally through. Notice what the Bible says here. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns before you know it. A sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good. It all makes sense when I talk to the Lord. It'll come and settle you down. I like that. will come and settle you down. I understand why, but I understand now what to do. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. What is it you're worried about? What are you going through today? I encourage you to ask, not just why, but what can I learn? What do you want me to know, Lord? What do you want me to know about me? Some of you need to know you're in trouble and you need to change. Some of you need to know God loves you so much. The Bible says He disciplines those He loves. This trial you're going through is from His hand to discipline you so you can share in His holiness to change you. Maybe you need to know that. Maybe you need to know that it's time to make a move. Maybe you need to know to just to rely on Him over people. I don't know. I'm just thinking about things that God has said. You need to know this now, Tim. Maybe you need to know you're independent. You've got pride and it's just chewing you up. You need to humble out. Surrender. But ask also another question. What are you trying to do, Lord? Listen, your life is bigger than you. It is so much bigger. God wants to do so much more than just make you comfortable. What are you trying to do? And what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do today?
There's a card in your bulletin. I don't know, you probably are, some of you have already been thinking, maybe have already written down some things. Why don't you take that card and look at it? And maybe today's the day you fill one out. You haven't filled one out in a while, and you need to fill it out. And maybe ask yourself, you know, or ask for some prayers. I want to be able to ask that question more. That's the question I don't ask enough. I want to learn to ask that question. I want to know what God's wanting me to know. I want to do what He wants me to do. I want to be able to see what He's trying to do. I want to be in on that. Maybe it's, what's the coat that needs to go? You're wearing it. I wear mine, you wear yours. What coat this needs to go so God can bless me, so God can use me? We're going to give you an opportunity. We're going to let you fill those cards out. Then the kids are going to come in and sing some songs from VBS. And after they do that, then we'll sing a closing song and take up those cards as well as your contribution. May God bless you. May God bless you to know what He wants you to know. To see what He's trying to do. And to reveal what you need to do. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the story of of how You work. I'm tempted to change the headings of my Bible now, Lord, to put You at the forefront. How You worked in the life of Joseph and Reuben in Judah in Benjamin, in Jacob, in a cupbearer, in a prisoner, in a king. How you worked in all those. Father, right now, we have friends. We wonder if they're even thinking about God. Would you help us by faith to realize you're working on them? And you need us to let you work on us so we can be ready when the time comes and the moment comes because you're trying to do something bigger than just pay our bills. You're trying to save lives. We want to be in on that. We want to be in on that. Father, I know there's families here that are going through tragedy. Give them great comfort and reassurance. Answer their wives, but Father, answer the what's too in our lives. Help us be a church that isn't afraid just to be ourselves, to confirm what everybody already knows about us. We don't have it all together. But let them see also, Father, Your involvement. That You are in here working. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.